Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. This is Terry Wickstrom. And instead of broadcasting from my palatial studios in Fort Collins, I am on the shore of uh, Little Lake Winnie. Little Winnie, it's called. Uh, in a cabin, we are going to be up here for a week fishing, and then we're headed to Grand Marais, to Lake Superior. Um, it's beautiful up here. We're going to tell you more about this facility later on. In the second hour, we'll have the people who run it on. But we are in the heart of some of the best fishing in the world right here. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today, mostly in Colorado. And we're also uh, going to start Touching on hunting quite a bit. You know, it's right around the corner. So we have a full slate of uh, show for you. So let's immediately go to the phones. And joining us as he does every week, no matter where we're broadcasting from, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good. You know, 25 years we celebrated. We're celebrating 25 years of the show this year. And you've been on a good part of it. And you have followed us from, well, the fan to ESPN, back to the fan to ESPN. Those are the only two stations we broadcast on. Now, the fan is our main home from 9 to 11 for anybody who's new to the show today. But during Broncos training camp, this week and next week we'll be on ESPN. And then we have a couple more coming up in the next couple months as there's some college games and stuff. So we do get shuffled around a little bit by sports, but we're here to bring you your outdoor stuff. And, Nate, I was going to ask your opinion. I know we're going to talk some fishing and hunting. I'm up here in the Minnesota Northwoods, something you and I are both really familiar with. And we have great fishing in Colorado. We talk about it all the time. And some of the best fishing in the world you and I are experiencing in Colorado. But if you really wanted to go to one of the fishing spots and you didn't want to leave the country and, like, go to Canada or travel to Alaska, it's really hard to beat northern Minnesota, isn't it? It is, Terry. You know, it's so different. I don't think anybody, or, or most English, I should say, don't understand the differences. You know, everybody says a walleye is a walleye or a bass is a bass, but a, a natural lake versus a reservoir versus a river versus a great lake, they're all different. I think that's probably one of the, the neatest things is fishing the natural lakes where you are fishing traditional weed lines and you're, it's just a totally different fishery. Your live bait rigs are different. Your trolling setups are different. Everything about that, that Minnesota country is just so different. It's just kind of neat to get back there. And even the look of the walleye is such a different looking fish, you know, darker in color, golder and more vibrant colors. Um, it's just a totally different fishery. And, and it's so neat. And I think probably the coolest thing about the Midwest that I miss of guiding in minnesota back in the day is the amount of water you know if you don't want to fish this one you drive a mile down the road you jump on the next fishery the next fishery so you can find these holes where there's no other anglers there's no people around uh and you're on some great fish so it's definitely just a a unique fishery but altogether a totally different fishery and different style of fishery and i i think that's one of those things that we talk about a lot out here. That's why so many people listen to the show is because if you read the average magazine, you read the, the information on bass walleye fishing, most of it is based around a Midwest fishery. And, and out here in Colorado, our fisheries are so different. So you can take concepts from that education, but it's not necessarily 100% true. You have to tweak it to fish the Western waters. Um, and that's just what makes it so neat as walleye fishing across the country for sure. And I think the Western waters actually produce really great anglers because 
the, the conditions change so rapidly. Right now we're having water level changes. Rivers are getting warm. Some reservoirs are being pulled down. They're 10 or 20 feet different than they were just a few weeks ago. You never get that here. And, and it's just totally different. And speaking of that, what's going on fishing-wise in Colorado? You know, Terry, it, it's hot. And, you know, just another story, you and I both laugh at this because we both have so many friends. You know, a, a good majority of our friends are still in the Midwest. And, you know, we, you and I have this conversation. We have friends in the Midwest that will be in full panic mode because their water rose like two inches, three inches. They're like, we don't know what this is going to do to our fishery. The water came up three whole inches, you know, in a week. Uh, and you and I, it'll change six inches while floating on the water during a trip. Um, you know, so it's just so crazy just to try to kind of, for people to know that, you know, how different the fisheries are. But at where we're at, you know, honestly, Terry, our fisheries are very different this year, um, different in a lot of different ways. So, you know, take the, the South Park area. Spinning Mountain Reservoir was extremely low to where we couldn't even open boating on time. It was so low. Now it is full. So we've had a consistent raise all year uh, and fishing's good. The trout, the I'd say the overall numbers, those big fish are down. So you definitely have to look for them once you find them you can have a great day of fishing probably the biggest thing of the south park area is the pike the pike are in their summer patterns and fishing is flat out on we're doing top water tactics in low light periods of the day so early and late in the day it's all top water midday it's jerk baits and spinner baits but terry we're seeing large fish last week my best day i had six fish over 40 inches uh the next day i had three fish over uh we are seeing some giant fish it's a fun technique you know in the spring and fall we do a lot of trolling for those big pike but right now it's hands-on you're casting these fish are absolutely explosive on the bait um so the summer pike fishing is probably one of the hottest things that i would tell anglers to jump on right now we, we never know how these bites last some of what we consider that peak summer with that top water action some years it's literally the last week of july first week of august and it's over. Other weeks it might, or other years it might last, you know, two months. It might be an eight-week eight week pattern. Uh, but regardless, that big summer pike bite is going strong right now. So that's definitely something to, to kind of look at. And then you jump down Nate, to the front Nate, range. Before we, move, yep. before we move on, Nate, what kind of top waters do you like to throw for those pike? You know, Terry, uh, as much as I love the pike and I never want to make fun of them, their aim is the worst thing ever. Um, so when it comes to top water, everybody gets very into it. You know, throwing whopper poppers, throwing, you know, poppers, you know, walk the dog style baits. There's so many baits out there for these fish. But the biggest thing I want, I want a lot of noise. I want a slower presentation and I want it to run as straight as it possibly can simply to help the pike's aim. I think so many anglers look at top water as, a certain action to create bites. I could care less about trying to create that bite. My goal is to make it easy on them to take the bait so they don't miss it. So I, generally speaking, am going with like a three-eighths ounce or a half-ounce buzz bait. I love one that makes an extra clack sound. So whether if it has a little clacker blade or I bend the blades down to hit the body and the frame of the, the buzz bait itself, I want a lot of noise, and that's the ideal situation. A, a bait like a whopper plopper or a big prop bait, those also make a ton of noise, and you can work them slow because they float problem is most of those baits have a treble hook and they do get fouled up in the weeds where a buzz bait is a single hook pointed up uh it does not get caught in the weeds if you want to take part in this big top water action think about a buzz bait more in that bass style so it's more that smaller three eighths half ounce buzz bait use black or white there's no need for color just throw the blacks or the white um and that's the true trick but as you're fishing these you're not burning them. You're not pulsating them. You're not adding action. You simply cast out, have that water or that rod tip at water level at, you know, 
body height. You don't have your rod tip in the air. Keep that rod tip lower, cast out, and reel it back in. Cast out, reel it back in. There's nothing to it. And the biggest thing with topwater is when those fish hit the bait, uh, you reel through it. So we call fishing it through. So you don't set the hook until you actually feel the fish because these pike will miss and they'll just come back and hit it again and once you set the hook there's no opportunity for a second bite so when they blow up on it just keep reeling until you feel something and then set the hook uh if they miss it they'll come back and, and grab it but the true trick to topwater pike is a bait that is easy for them to catch if you start doing a lot of side to side action uh you're just ruining your odds of that fish actually connecting with the bait and getting that fish in the boat I couldn't agree more. We better move on. What else is happening? You know, as you come down to the front range, you know, everybody knows we talk so much Chatfield Cherry Creek. Those are our home waters for walleye, and they are significantly different right now. So Cherry Creek, there are shad everywhere. Our only hope of success out there is reaction fishing. So you are, you know, fairly aggressively working a blade bait. You're working your jigging wraps or those gliding-style baits. Uh, fairly aggressively snapping them. We're even seeing spoons work, that really traditional fall technique. Uh, but it is all about reaction and forcing those fish to take the bait. There's so much natural forage in there. The fishing's good. The fish are big. We're catching a lot of walleyes. But again, uh, with so much natural food, we're just not having as much success on like the live bait rigs and those techniques as much as we were. So uh, Cherry Creek, it's all about reaction, tricking those fish, making them react to taking the bait. You jump over to Chatfield. Our water level is still extremely low if people haven't been out there. We're, you know, four to six feet below the old normal pool. So we are very low water. We are very low on the bait fish. We do now have some bait fish out on the main lake. So we now are seeing those little one inch to one and a quarter inch shad out on the main lake. But again, not near the population of those shad as we would normally have. So the shad population is dramatically down with that lower water uh, and fishing is good. So we, you know, the, the bite that we have at Chatfield right now normally fades out the late last week of June, first week of July. We're still going strong. Live bait rigs are hot. Paddle tail jigs are hot. A jig head with a, with a piece of bait on it is hot. Cranks are working. Blades are working. Jigging wraps are working. Um, we are still having 100 fish days, which honestly, Terry, is fairly unheard of as we start to approach August. Um, so fishing is absolutely gangbusters um, at, at Chatfield right now. So, um, again, Chatfield, Chick Creek, both fishing good, just dramatically different on how hard you have to work for it and the presentations that those fish are taking. All right, we better switch to hunting because I want to get some of that in. It is getting, it is sneaking up on us, Nate. I'll tell you, Terry, I wouldn't even say it's sneaking up on us. It's here. Uh, you know, our archery pronghorn hunt starts August 15th. So literally we are, you know, essentially two weeks away from that. And the reason we talk about that is pronghorn, you know, through with archery equipment, you have a handful of techniques, right? You have a spot and stock, which, which can produce some, you know, good harvest. But majority of pronghorn hunters are going to be sitting on water holes. And with that being said, you have to, to really understand, scout those water holes, make sure you have a good plan with your blind, letting these animals get used to your blind. Uh, there's a lot to it. You know, the, the legalities of your blind on public versus private and all of those type situations. So we are there. You have to put emphasis on scouting those pronghorn right now. With that being said, a lot of the areas that we're going to pronghorn hunt have had more rain than we by far were used to. So I went out the other day just scouting it around. Um, 
looking at some opportunity for some pronghorn and you know in an area that used to have one or two predominant water holes where you know 20 30 bucks would come check out that water hole now there was like 35 to 40 um every little ditch every crevice had water in it so the opportunity for that water hunting is, is harder so you really have to scout them out try to find a water hole that they like versus another one uh try to build a pattern but again with so much water this year uh it's a little bit harder on the water hole thing so i'm talking about this because i encourage hunters either one scout it out put up some trail cameras see if your water hole has you know consistency with, with animals coming to it if not now's the time to start thinking about how you're going to decoy them if you're going to decoy them if you're going to hunt you know at a crossing on a fence if you're just going to be spot and stock but a lot of the traditional patterns of sitting on a water hole might not be as productive this year than some years just due to the amount of water we've had in some of the areas of the state so that's kind of one of those concepts that you really need to prepare for now because again we're two weeks away then the other highly important thing that we're talking about right now our leftover licenses go on sale tuesday morning at 9 a.m. So if you have not been successful in the primary draw, in the secondary draw, if you don't have a good plan for an OTC or over-the-counter hunt with archery or second or third rifle on elk, uh, if you don't have a deer tag, whatever those concepts are, all the licenses are available as of Tuesday. Your over-the-counter licenses are, are coming out. All of your bear tags and those type of things are coming out. So Tuesday morning is a very big day to, to look at that. The reason we talk about that, if you are successful, unsuccessful, grabbing a, some sort of license on Tuesday, that is your, really your last big opportunity for it. And from that point on, it is time to plan and, and put forth uh, your day. So everything happens on Tuesday, and we're putting a lot of emphasis on just building plans from that point on. We are out of time, Nate. We actually are going to talk more about the over-the-counter or the leftover sale during our next segment with Parks and Wildlife. But um, we got to let you go, but we will talk to you again next week. We're going to be right back here on ESPN next week, and then after that on the fan, thank you for your information, my friend. Thank you, sir. We'll have a good day. You bet. Nate Zielinski, always a tremendous resource. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. We're going to talk to Parks and Wildlife, not only about the leftover licenses, but about a few other events they've got going on. Now, you might be able to take advantage just to go to state parks for free on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. On well, we're usually on 104.3 The Fan. Today, we're on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear they have locations up and down the front range. If you're getting ready for hunting, they can help you out. They've got everything you need. In fact, we're going to talk to them on the second hour about their archery supplies. But let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Debbie Linninger. Good morning, Debbie. Hi, Terry. It's just, uh, you know, I'm in northern Minnesota. How's the weather there today? Oh, the weather's beautiful. Robin egg blue skies like normal. Now, I know we want to continue on and talk about the leftover licenses, but before we even get to that, Parks does a lot of things to, things to get people introduced to Parks, to help out some of our first responders, our, our, our veterans and our, our soldiers. You've got a couple things coming up in August that almost anybody can take advantage of one of them, and the rest is just a great service. Why don't you kind of tell us about, first of all, it's Colorado's birthday. What are we doing for that? Right. Every year on August 1st or the Monday after August 1st, which happens to be the same day this year, we offer free entrance to state to all of our state parks for anybody in Colorado. So your listeners could take advantage of that and maybe head out, have a picnic, go visit a lake, or just enjoy many of the beautiful scene, much of the beautiful scenery and 
opportunities there are tomorrow for, well, no, it'll be Monday for free. So on, it's the first Monday in August and you, and it's open up for parks. This is a great time for people to just, you know, there's probably a park somewhere within a day's drive that they've always wanted to check out. And maybe this will be the one that convinces them to get a parks pass. And of course, we're going to have the new program coming up next year where you can get a parks pass with your auto registration for a very reduced price. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities to check out the parks now. The other program you have going on, the one that I really think is just tremendous, and that is the um, the one for the military. Tell me about that. Right. During the month of August each year, we offer free admission for all of our active duty and veteran military participants. They need to go into an office and get the August military pass to show their proof of current active duty status or veteran status, and then they get that month-long free pass. So it's something that we do to honor our veterans. Also, the plated vehicles can also get in for free all the time, but this is a special time during the month of August that we encourage our military and veterans, both resident and non-resident, to get that August pass. Just drop by any of our offices. It's available starting August 1st. Now, when you say any of the offices, does that include parks offices that are on site? Yes, as long as they okay. have an office on site. We have a few parks that just are using what we call an Iron Ranger where you put in your money and go into the park. So you've got to actually go into an office. They so can get issued the pass. That's a key component of this. But we want to encourage yeah. everyone who can to take advantage of it. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more because I think – well, the reason we get to enjoy the outdoors in this great country of ours and do the things we do are the people who have served and uh, so many have sacrificed so much. And to honor those people, uh, I, I couldn't be better. You know, a lot of programs use the outdoors for returning veterans and things to help them reacclimate back to society because nature is just therapeutic, especially by the water. But being outdoors in Colorado uh, just helps you come back from almost any experience and of course some of our veterans have been back for years and and have still suffered from things but just honoring them i think this is a great idea so it's the entire month of august right right so let's they talk do have now. To go in and get their pass during the month so okay so let's talk now about leftover license nate kind of led us into this when they say leftover licenses where do these licenses come from well As Nate alluded to, it's a big sale day for us, Tuesday, August 2nd, starting at 9 a.m. for any big game hunter that wants to take advantage of any of the remaining limited licenses that haven't been drawn or they weren't, hunters didn't pay for them. Maybe a credit card bounced or something happened that they just didn't pick them up and pay for them. And then anyone returning a license, those go on this list that starts August 2nd at 9 a.m., those remaining limited licenses all go on sale. Those are the licenses now, okay. that were left from our big game draws, both either now, a primary draw or a secondary draw, and then those returned. Now, is there a place I can review these before before uh, August 2nd? Yep. The preview list is online right now on our website. Easiest way to get there is just Google Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and it's right on the homepage to link to or go to any of our big game hunting pages. And it's pretty prominent. We got rig, big red bold headers to tell you what to do. Big go, big green headers what to do. So 
just kind of go through and you do have to read. So, you know, kind of arrow through and then you'll have to look at the preview list, which is static right now. Once we start to sell licenses Tuesday morning, the licenses that are selling it refreshes every five minutes and those will drop off the list. It's a fast, you know, we're selling out because we have a primary and a secondary draw now, we're selling out of these leftover licenses right away within the first hour. So we want to encourage hunters to be ready. If they see something on the static list that they're looking at now that they're interested in, make sure that your online account is up to date because we encourage people to purchase online. It happens so fast now. We used to have long lines of, you know, I remember waiting in line with my dad for leftover. And now it's with all the computer technology, it just goes real fast. We've got a good queue system where, you know, don't get on there too early. Less than an hour earlier, you can get on, get your account set up and ready to purchase, but don't go past the residency screen. So, again, it's something you do have to get ready for because it goes pretty quick. Now, what type of licenses typically show up on these leftover license sales? Well, they're good. They're the remaining licenses that weren't drawn. You know, say say the quota for the licenses was 10 and only two people applied for that unit, there are still eight good licenses left sometimes. Or, again, those returns, people who can't hunt this year. That With the COVID and the pandemic issues, we've had lots of, we were seeing lots of, you know, turnover and types of licenses returned. And then with our purchasing system, if your credit card's not active and you don't pay for your license that you did draw, those go back on the list. So, again, it's a, there are some good licenses and good opportunity. We've got elk, deer, bear, pronghorn, and even turkey. Those aren't big game, but there are some turkeys on the list this year, too. So, yeah, so that's a wide variety. It's not just elk. You've got deer and bear and turkey and pronghorn. So there's a chance that, you know, if you didn't score that license you want, because some of the licenses aren't sold over the counter. So if you don't get one of these limited licenses, you're not going to be able to go. But that's not the case with elk. When We also have over-the-counter elk. So if you can't score, even in this leftover license sale, when do the over-the-counter licenses go on sale? Do you know? Yep. They start on sale at the same time this coming Tuesday at 9 a.m. However, a lot of those licenses don't sell out. They're unlimited in quantity, so you don't have to buy that license right away. But our add-on bear licenses also go on sale, where if you're an archery hunter and it's early in the season and those bears aren't hibernating, it's an opportunity to pick up and add on a license to your existing hunting license. So we have a lot of activity around bear this day as well. Oh, yeah, we have a very robust bear population. And if somebody's interested in harvesting a bear, uh, obtaining a bear tag, could whether it's archery or rifle, if you can get the right time of the year, could be just a great, a great opportunity. And, you know, the thing about purchasing these licenses, whether you're going to try for the leftovers or just get the over, over the counter, it's time to be out scouting, to get knowing the train, seeing the habits of the animals. It's going to be honest really quickly. So you need to get the license part of your what you're going to hunt settled so you know where you're going to hunt. It means so much to both your online scouting and your in-person scouting. So any any last-minute tips or anything, or just be online and do some studying ahead of time? Get online now. Take these, take this opportunity the rest of today and tomorrow to look through that list. And the way that you purchase over-the-counter licenses is you go to the map 
they're inside the big game brochure if you want any of those to really study those maps of the areas that you can hunt in. You're not limited to the exact area with an over-the-counter license. You can go any of the highlighted areas on those maps. So it's a different type of opportunity that sometimes you can pick up something that you like. And I really liked how Nate reminded people about the water. It's been raining in the in the mountains a lot, and I've been... I just scouted last weekend, and I'm seeing water in my area where I haven't seen it before, so that's going to change some of the movements in the habitat. And the hunting season is right around the corner, so he's, Nate was right. Get ready. Nate usually is right, but we don't like to give him credit for anything, Debbie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us. Great information. I mean, we're going to talk more fishing today, too, but we also people need to be getting ready for their hunts. Thank you for joining us, Debbie. You bet. Thank you. Good luck fishing. You bet. Debbie Leninger, she's uh, uh, Leninger. She's Parks and Wildlife. You know, it's folks, it's, we got pronghorn season by archery in a couple of weeks, and we got elk archery. We've got dove season coming up. We've got turkey season, fall turkey coming up. We've got all the big game seasons. It's time to be doing your planning, your setup, making sure your equipment. In fact, we're going to talk about your archery set up here in the second hour and make sure you're ready to go because the last thing you want is a day or two before to find out something's wrong. So much to cover. We're going to take a time out. We're going to take you to another park in Colorado and tell you about some activities for the kids. And then when we come, come back from that, we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Normally you would find us on 104.3 The Fan from 9 to 11, but we come over to our sister station when there's some sports programming that interferes. Today they're having a Broncos training camp special, and they will next week too. So we move over to ESPN 1600 from uh, 10 to noon on those times. And so we're glad you're joining us. If you're following this show for the first time, you can also follow us online, go to the 104.3 The Fan app. You can click on ESPN or you can click on The Fan. And we podcast everything, both by the hour and by the interview. So you can catch up on the latest on what's going on. Let's go to the phones now. And joining us from uh, Cheyenne Mountain State Park is Beth Hill. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. Now, I know you've got a special day coming up for the kids uh, and all the big kids who never grew up like myself coming up at uh, Cheyenne Mountain. But before we even get to that, somebody's new to the area, kind of describe where Cheyenne Mountain is and let's talk a little bit about the park. Yeah, of course. So Cheyenne Mountain is on the south uh, southwest end of Colorado Springs, so it's kind of an urban park. It's off of uh, 115 right across from Fort Carson, and it is kind of the exterior of Cheyenne Mountain and the NORAD area, so we're kind of the land outside of NORAD. Yeah, it's probably the only park that sits on a, a um, NORAD command facility. People see in movies those big, big giant doors that can close it down and all that. Actually, there are parts of the park where you can almost kind of glimpse some of that kind of stuff. Well, one of the things Cheyenne Park is really uh, famous for is its trail system. You have a fantastic trail system, don't you? Yeah, we really do. We've got over 28 miles, um, man, and every level. We've got pretty easy ones. We've got um, a hefty one that goes all the way to the top of the mountain. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, people can bring out their dogs on certain trails. We can do horses on certain trails and mountain biking as well. So it's really uh, just a great park for different trail activities. And is it is there a camping at Cheyenne Mountain? Uh, yeah, we have around 60 sites. So most of them are full hookups, like electric and water. We have about 10 uh, walk-in tent sites. And this year they opened up two brand-new cabins that people can camp in as well. You know, the cabins at Colorado State Parks puts around at the different parks. There's different levels. There's little the little ones that sleep a couple people, I guess they sleep up to four or six that are pretty bare bones. They'll have a little uh, solar light and then they'll have a fire ring outside and you're kind of rustic camping to full service cabins that offer all the amenities. Do you have a quite a mixture at Cheyenne Mountain? So they're both the same. So it's like a double queen bunk bed and a pull-out couch. So they'll hold about six people. They have kind of a small kitchenette area where you can cook, and I think there's a fridge. There is a fire ring out back so people can grill and enjoy that, and then there's a full bathroom in there with a shower and toilet. And those cabins, along with your campsites, are all on the reservation system. Is that right? Yep, they sure are. And, you know, that's new over the last couple of years. If people don't understand that when you make a reservation now for Colorado State Parks, you have to do it online or the phone. You can't just show up, but you could show up. And if you have phone service, make the reservation for the site you're looking at if it's open. So it's quite a unique experience. I think that's been working out really well. People aren't heading out hoping to find something. They at least know they've got something or they're going out looking and hoping, but they have a, a mindset about what they're doing. So I think that really helps. Last thing before we get to your event, there's some pretty good wildlife watching at the park too, isn't there? Yeah, we do have some really great animals that um, people see, and then we see a lot on our wildlife cameras. We have wild turkeys, we have black bears, we even have mountain lions. Um, lately, we've noticed we have pine martens, which are kind of neat. So, And it's just a beautiful place to go, and if you enjoy the mountains of Colorado and the trails and just the outdoors, uh, you got an altitude change, so you can see temperature changes, you can see challenging walks. But coming up uh, in about, uh, I believe it's the 6th of August, so that's a couple weeks away or a week or two weeks away maybe, and that you're, you're having a special event there for kids. Tell me about that. So on the 6th of August, we have an event called Adventure Day. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it's all about teaching kids outdoor skills. Um, so we've got stations set up, but right now we have about 14 stations, and it's things like archery, roping, hatchet throwing, um, geocaching. Uh, we've got a station where kids can build survival kits or little miniature ones. Um, so it's all about getting them, you know, A, interested in being outdoors, and B, kind of used to some of these skills that you might need to enjoy things outdoors. And we've got a lot of cool prizes for coming to the program. Well, and you know, the two things that always uh, inhibit people from using the outdoors more, first is access, a place to go, which parks provides, Colorado State Parks. The second is knowledge, to, whether it's the parent's knowledge or the person starting's knowledge, to just get started in some of these activities. And a program like this where you can just introduce them at kind of an entry level, especially kids, but even adults that are with the kids, they're going to learn how to start getting into some of these activities and hopefully 
uh, boost your activity. We have a saying on the show that says, give them a tackle box, not an Xbox. Get them outside. <laughs> and I think, and because a lot of times if you don't get kids started in the outdoors early, sometimes they don't ever get started. Yeah, there's been a lot of research on that. So that's definitely what it's about is get them interested early because it's a worthwhile hobby. You know, there's something for everybody outdoors. <laughs> and now that's on the 6th of August. And is there anything, any charge other than the Parks Pass? Uh, no, just the Parks Pass is all that they have to have. Um, like I said, we got some really cool prizes. So every station that they go to, they can earn a raffle ticket to put towards a prize package. And it's things like a tent with sleeping bags or a two-person kayak with life jackets. So if they win one of those prize packages, then they can further learn about doing something that they found interesting at the event and go out and do it for themselves. One more thing I want to talk to you about before you go. In addition to this, you've got a, a, a night coming up or the night before, I think you call it or something, sky watching. I happen to be in northern Minnesota on a, a fishing trip right now. We're broadcasting from uh, Little Winnie Resort in northern Minnesota, and we were out last night sitting by the fire and looking up at the sky. And even here, where we still had the lights from the resort, uh, the the stars just go on forever. It's just unbelievable. And when you have these dark night events at the parks, especially one that's kind of at elevation, and if you hit it right, it is so spectacular, isn't it? It really is, yeah. Um, it's it's a treasure to be able to watch the stars at night, and the more you can see, the more you realize how that is. <laughs> now, when is this event? So um, this is actually the night before Adventure Day. It's the 5th of August, that Friday night. We have the Colorado Springs Astronomical Society coming out to the park in the Lime Kiln parking lot, and they usually have um, 7 to 10 astronomers that will come out there let you look through their telescopes um, they'll show you how to take pictures of certain things with their telescopes and they'll answer all kinds of questions well i would think being up you know in the park area where you gain a little elevation and if you get a clear night it could be just phenomenal i would think yeah it's definitely we're not a, a dark sky park but it's definitely pretty great if you're right in the city and you don't want to have to drive too far so all right, so all these events, is there information on Facebook or the webpage? Yes. Um, so if you go to CTW and look up Cheyenne Mountain State Park, we have information on these events. We do also have it on our Facebook page. All right. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Great, great opportunities. Get the kids out. Get yourself out and enjoy the beautiful parks we have here in Colorado. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Beth Hill from Cheyenne Mountain. You know, Go to the Parks and Wildlife webpage and look at things to do or go through the different parks. You'll find there's so many of these activities. I know on the show we talk a lot about hunting and fishing. and In fact, our next segment is going to be about fly fishing, so we'll get into fishing. But there's so many other things to do. There's mountain bike trails. There's these dark sky events where you look at the sky. There's programs for kids. I know places like Bar Lake are putting on clinics all the time. So there's so many things going on. By the way, we are broadcasting live this week. We're on ESPN. We're normally on the fan, but it's a Broncos training camp special on the fan. So instead of being 9 to 11 on the fan, we're 10 to noon here on ESPN. We will be here next week, too. And then there's a couple weeks coming up later on that we'll be back over here. So if you're used to hearing us on uh 104.3 The Fan, follow us over here. We always post on our Facebook page, so 
Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We'll tell you if we have a change in schedule. We'll try to give you some updates on what's coming up. We'll put links to videos that we add to our our YouTube channel. And then we take a lot of the pertinent uh, podcasts from the different interviews, and we post those on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. So you can go back and enjoy them at other times. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to switch things up. And we're going to talk fly fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on on 1600 ESPN. Be back on the air. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, Terry, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. We're back. I don't know what happened there. All of a sudden, my phone decided, well, I'm up here in the middle of the wilderness, you know, in northern Minnesota, and we have to pipe sunlight in here, much less Wi-Fi and cell (laughs) service, so... (laughs) <laughs> so I apologize to the folks out there, but we are back and we are on, and I don't know what happened there. It's probably my fault, but I'm going to find somebody to blame before the show is over. I, <laughs> one of the things I always find, you have a team that works with you because you need a team because you need somebody to do things you can take credit for and somebody to blame when it doesn't work. So <laughs> I like that. Right. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us. This is Chris Steinbeck from the Blue Quill Angler. Folks, thanks for sticking with us. I don't know what happened there, but we want to talk some fly fishing, Chris. Now, you know anything about that? I've been once or twice, I think. <laughs> now, of course, you're a guide for the Blue Quill Angler, a very accomplished fly angler. You guys specialize in some waters, but you keep track of the stake. What are you seeing out there, Chris? You know, we've had, uh, it's a fun time. A, it's just a really fun time to be out there fishing right now. Um, the weather's been great. It's nice and warm. Um, you know, across the state, we have a little bit of the water temperature issues that we're facing. Um, but some of the tailwaters, like the South Platte's going to be running really good and fishing good for you. Um, you know, we fished the Gunnison Gorge uh, last week, and that fished fantastically well. And, um it's the time of year, Terry, we're, we're starting to see a lot of the bigger bugs come out. Um, never a bad time to start throwing hoppers right now, big terrestrials. Um, some of the mayfly hatches that you're going to be seeing out on the water, especially on the Blue or the South Platte Rivers, you're going to see trichos in the morning, which is, you know, technical dry fly fishing, but a lot of fun. Um, afternoons, we're starting to see some really good PMD hatches. And uh, that's just phenomenally fun dry fly fishing. And then all throughout the day, throwing those terrestrials. So, Terry, it's been a lot of fun out there. I want to circle back and do some particular waters and go over some techniques on hopper dropper and stuff. But you brought up that you just fished the Gunnison Gorge of the Black Canyon. I have floated that. And, by the way, folks, that float is on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But, it's hard to describe the experience of that canyon to somebody who hasn't been there, isn't it? You, you know, this was my first time doing it, and I'm kicking myself now for waiting so long. It was such a beautiful float. Uh, trying to describe that canyon, I mean, people don't understand. When you put in, there's only a couple places. It's about a 12, 14-mile drift if you do it in one day. A lot of people stay overnight. But if you put in, there's only a couple places where the walls are accessible that you can get out. You're in that canyon, and you're there to make that drift, aren't you? No, and that's it. By me, you know, the hike is not terribly bad. It's called the Chucker Trail, and that drops you in towards, um, yeah, right below the uh, park there. And uh, it's 
it, it's a relatively, it's not bad. It's downhill getting in there. But once you get in, like you said, you have these giant cliffs on both sides of the river. There's not like there's trails in and out. It's not like there's a lot of people everywhere. Um, it was just it's such a great experience. It's just a great way to go see what Colorado has to offer. Yeah, now, what about the fishing you experienced along that? You went through it in a hurry. You can stop and really pick apart the fishing. And we did a little bit of that on my drift. But like you, we drifted through in one day where a lot of people will stay overnight. But how did you find the fishing? Yeah, so you're right. We did the whole 14 miles in one day. Um, the fishing was great. It's really famous for the salmon fly hatch, which is giant dry flies. Um, and that's like early, mid-June is one that's really, really fantastic. So we were a little outside of that, but we found big, big dry flies. We were catching big fish. Um, we had, you know, just great fishing from when we put in through the whole 14 miles. Um, and you know, like you said, you could break that up into an overnight stay. And I recommend doing that because some of the runs you flow, just, I wish we could have spent more time fishing them. Now, why don't you give a plug? You were with, I believe, Black Canyon Anglers, and I've been with them, too. And, folks, this is not a paid endorsement. They're one of the outfitters. There's very few people permitted to take you through that canyon. How was the experience? Those guys are terrific. Oh, what what a professional operation. They have – their lodge is a sweet little lodge. It's right on the Gunnison River. Um, That's really well manicured. There's a peach orchard right outside. Um, the food is fantastic. And, you know, what really impressed us more than anything was just how well organized they were from when we got there to organizing that big float of 14 miles in one day and packing in the boats. It, from our point of view, it was very little we had to do. And, um, folks, definitely, if you have a chance to get out there, look up the Black Canyon Anglers. You won't be disappointed. No, they really, really is a great experience. Let's get back to some of the more accessible waters, though. You know, it's one of those trips of a lifetime that you live in Colorado before we leave it, that you think I can go anytime. Don't put it off, folks. Take the trip. It's one of the most spectacular trips uh, through a river in Colorado. But let's get back. So if I want to go fishing, let's start out close to Denver. Give me a couple spots I might try, and if we have any water temperature issues. Yeah, so locally, you know, if you want to do something real quick, go shoot up to Clear Creek. Uh, Clear Creek's fishing really well right now from Idaho Springs all the way down the canyon towards Golden. Um, they've done a lot of stream improvements there. It's um, a lot of fun fishing. Throw bigger dry flies, um, bigger tractor-type dry flies that gave me vans and stuff. And um, that's a great, really close option. Um, you know, kind of within that hour, the South Platte near Deckers. Packers been fishing really well. Um, crowds have been out a little bit, and so we've been, you know, really trying to stick to fishing etiquette and gliders. But the buzz are hatching right now. The temperatures, um, a couple weeks ago, were getting really hot on the South Platte down there. But the, since then, they've really increased a little bit more water out of the dam. So that's cooled the water off, and the fishing's been, it's been good. And we anticipate those flows increasing here for the next four to six weeks at least. So um, we have a lot of great times ahead of us here locally near the city. Now, if you head over towards the Colorado River, a lot of people float it, a lot of people walk weight it. That's where in that Colorado River, Eagle, we've had some issues. What what have you found that's going on over there? Are you still drifting it? Is there opportunities? 
So the Colorado is a little bit more susceptible to hot water right now. And so uh, the fish enclosure, it's a voluntary closure right now just to not stress the fish out too much. And that usually goes in place right about 12 o'clock. And so you could still fish the Colorado from um, right below Kremlin, from Pump House down to State Bridge, but um, they're asking anglers to knock off about 12 o'clock. And so we don't see that being an issue long-term, Terry. Um, the reservoirs have a little bit more water. Once they start increasing those flows out of the dam, all that cool water is going to really hit the Colorado and really help out big time. Um, but a lot of the local small drainages around the state um, it's never a bad idea this time of year to take a thermometer with you and keep yeah. dropping in the water. And if once it hits close to that 67 to 70 degrees, um, it's probably best to give those fish a break. You know, one last thing, we got a couple minutes left. And this time of the year, Chris, we always talk about hopper dropper fishing. And first of all, we should explain that there's a lot of grasshoppers and we use that for the surface fly, but we don't always use grasshoppers. Sometimes we use a Chernobyl ant. Sometimes we use a, a big attractor of some kind. And then we put a dropper below it and it could be an emerger or a nymph or something. Do you have a particular setup you like to use or do you really make it dependent on the river? And what kind of mistakes do people make fishing that setup? Now, that's a really, really great question. So, uh, me personally, if I'm doing a dry dropper, I want a big dry fly that's going to float really well. And one, hopefully that convinces the fish to come up and eat it. And so, I throw, one of my favorites is an Amy's Ant. An Amy's Ant comes in a few different colors, but both the red and the olive colors are really great. And you're throwing them like at a size 10 or 12. And so... Um, when you're throwing these bigger dry flies, one of the mistakes I see people making is they're not getting close enough to the structure. Um, a lot of these big terrestrials fall off the willows, you know, they get put in the water. And so sometimes the best fishing for them is with the first five to eight feet of the bank. You know, once you get too deep in the river, you can still full a few fish, but you're way better off really targeting the shorelines when you do that. And so um, if you look for overhanging willows, um, you know, logs out of law, stuff like that. It's a, uh, it's a great time. And in terms of the dropper, Terry, a beadhead pheasant tail this time of year is hard to go wrong. Um, something with tungsten in it just makes it sink a little quicker and, and those fish should be pretty opportunistic. Do you, do you have a, a link that you like to use for the dry dropper or do you try to vary it on the condition? Um, I vary it on the condition. More than anything, it's harder to cast with a really long dropper. So I'm usually sticking close to that 18 inches to maybe 36 inches at most. Uh, but that 18-inch mark for me is really the sweet spot, um, especially if you target those shorelines. It's usually not as deep. And so you don't want a too long of a dropper where it's going to hang up on the rocks. All right, my friend, we are out of time. If people want more information or to book a trip with you, how do they find you guys? Uh, please give us a call. We're right up in Evergreen. Um, you can reach us at 303-674-4700. We're the Blue Cool Angler. We're here to help. We're here to teach. Um, anything you have questions on different conditions, give us a call. If you're interested in hiring a guide to go learn some of these local waters, um, give us a call. We work every day of the week, um, and we just specialize in sharing our passion and helping people have fun fly fish. All right, my friend, as always, great information. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, hey, thank you very much, Terry. All right, that's Chris Steinbeck from the uh, 
Blue Quill Angler, great people. You know, the family-run business. You've got some great famous guides like Pat Dorsey there. They just know the rivers in the area, and they provide great, great um, information and great guide trips, and they'll help you get started. They have classes there. Whatever level you're at, they can help you out. We're going to switch things up here in just a minute. Coming into the second hour, we're going to tell you a little bit about where we're staying and uh, the lodge we're at in the area that we're staying at right now. And then we're going to talk a little more about getting ready for archery hunting. And then Chad Chance is going to join us at the end of the second hour. We're going to talk about some of the new forward-looking sonar and how it's really changed our approach in fishing. And then some of the new lures that came out at the ICAST show here just a couple weeks ago and how they're aiming to target fish when you're using that sonar. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. <laughs> 